Uh, hey, this is Russ Payne with Roleplaying Public Radio. Uh, we're at Gen Con 2016. This is a panel on Red Market, so this is all I will be saying the panel. Uh. <laughs> uh, so this is playing Red Markets, so hopefully we have lots of these in the future, but this is our first panel for, like, you have a game and game advice for running it and not, like, thrilling tales of me typing, uh, which is a first for us. Uh, I am Caleb. I wrote much of the game. Uh, Ross, would you like to introduce yourself? I just, I literally just did. I said, I'm Would Ross. you like to introduce yourself in terms of red markets? I what ran, you're doing for it? I ran a campaign, Fallen Flag, for it. I gave Caleb a lot of advice on, or like thoughts on important topics like the importance of defaults. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ross is done. Laura, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Laura. I am editing this, and uh, I played in a beta um, for a group that turned into technical difficulties because we'd already recorded it so Caleb could hear it. Might as well let everybody else. By the way, is, is anyone here who is not does not have a copy of the rules from the Kickstarter? Okay. Oh, you are... Oh, we can fix that. Just, <laughs> we can fix that. Just okay. give me uh, So, um, yeah, so uh, I, I really just meant this as a Q&A. Like, so uh, for those of you that got my... Uh, God, it's like the stockyards up there. Um, for those of you that got uh, the, the unwieldy Word document that is the rules... Uh, it was. It's basically how you want to run this with your game. Do you have questions about anything? Clarifying anything? Um, it's helpful for me to know like what we might need to clarify in the text before we completely finalize things. Uh, it's fun to talk about because I wrote the whole thing. Uh, but uh, it, I can also answer questions. Of, uh, Laura and I and Ross and I. We can also answer questions about the development of the game if you have more questions based on like how things are going and how I'm spending all that. Sweet, sweet Kickstarter money. Uh, and so, yeah, I just really wanted to open it up, like, right out of the bat. So, uh, right out of the bat? That's not right. Um, <laughs> it's also 9 a.m. Yeah, he's hung You're okay. over now. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever party boy. Uh, all right, so does anybody have any questions? Please, God. Okay, thank you. Um, do you find that a lot of players, I mean, obviously it hasn't been going for very long, but do a lot of players... Take other takers as their dependents, other than people who are playing a steward. Um, I've I've had one group message me about that, uh, and they they had a they had a character that only that uh, was not playing a steward, but only wanted to take other takers. And I'm like, well, I mean, I want it to be reciprocal, because like. I guess it doesn't have to be, and people can household forever they want, but I feel like that's a weird player dynamic to be like, I love you! You're the reason I exist! The other person's like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think they eventually ended up making, like, every every person in the group was family by the end of it. It was a family taker business. Uh, but, man, talk about bust mode. Like, if someone goes down, that's going to be a cascading nightmare effect. That, and, well, you did a, you ran a one-shot. We have we have a ton of one-shots recorded that we haven't posted uh, where that happened, right? I think... Uh, I ran a one-shot where nobody was a dependent, and that happened because one character died and everyone started breaking as a result of that because, you know, you are seeing a person torn limb from limb or becoming a monster. And then this, the self-control checks are worse if you're dependent. So uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's a great way to play the game, uh, but you, you know, it's not something I see a lot of people doing. It's a, it's suboptimal if you wanted to power game it, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think it makes for good storytelling. Um, for me, though, one of the strengths of Red Market is that, uh, unlike some other games I've played. Uh, you can really hate the people you work with, and your economic focus is so extreme that you still get along. Like, you have to just shut up. Like, by the end of our campaign, Faust and I's character loathed each other. Like, absolutely hated each other. And it just became like, we were that guy at work, but it didn't matter. Like, the party cohesion was still there, because it was very much like, alright, we could fight and then all die. Or we could just shut up and get the job done and then fight later. Uh, so it got really catty, which I thought was... It made for some great listening. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I mean, like, it didn't get catty between us in real life, but I, th- I thought that was interesting. Because, like, in the D&D party, you don't want that. Because you could all just, like, go back to town and have a bar fight or go somewhere else for us. Uh, with that, that degradation of the upkeep... Uh, you, you need to get out there and like accomplish something stat or it's going to be bad for you gotta pay bills mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. any other questions uh, yes uh, it, it's a great setting but uh, what made you uh, want to make the, the, the loss in the western Mississippi versus the other way around bigger landmass to be honest, um, and uh, I also stole that idea from a novel called *The Return Man* by V.M. Zito, uh, which is—it's uh, just about one guy who he does uh, what I call closure jobs in the book. He goes out and kills specific zombies for people um, because he got left behind, uh, and I just thought that was uh, an interesting way to divide it up because it was like the first post-apocalyptic novel I read in which like the apocalypse was unevenly distributed like there he but and like the whole novel is basically him by himself um talking to people on skype and having them tell him what to do and then he goes out in the wasteland and stuff like that so uh i kind of took that idea but then i i have a map of like the world and like so where recession is and where loss is uh, using natural fortifications and stuff like that, but uh, the the whole west of the Mississippi thing was basically just more landmass. And I'm writing the setting material as if all that stuff's there, but like, there's going to be nothing in the book that says you have to do it that way. I mean, just flip it. Like, you can't use the history of the setting as written, but like, your players aren't going to read it anyway, so <laughs> um, you might as well just tell them different, and then you can do East Coast cities or wherever you want to do it. So. Or near Chicago. I mean, like... <laughs> or do, don't nuke Canada, yeah. which I've done, and I've gotten some, I've gotten some pushback. Um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> But was it very <laughs> Yes, it was actually. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I mean, I know that's not a particularly satisfying answer, but okay. <laughs> uh, on the setting vein, obviously not from here. Um, how would you recommend crushifying other nations? So, if you had to have the crush happen in Germany or Austria, what setting tips would you give to me to destroy my homeland? Well, I haven't written that yet, so everyone's answer is as good as mine. Well, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, Caleb's first, I mean, the first thing was to look at the natural geography and, like, see where the, like you just mentioned, natural fortifications are. Where are the rivers? Where are the uh, mountains? Uh, 
and I'm not as familiar with, you know, I know where Germany is, but I don't know the topography of it as well, so, um, yeah, where would you put, like, where would be a place people could, like, have a choke point to, you know, uh, block off all the zombies, I mean, east of the Mississippi, and then you have the ocean around it, so, like, that, that's, and then you nuke Canada, and then you've got a perfectly walled off, yeah, so... Would, That's something I would do, yeah. I would also recommend look at the uh, political landscape of your country. Where would the politicians, where, where would the people with power try to protect themselves? And what would they use to do that? Yeah, um, for me, I'll probably do, uh, Italy will probably have some survivors. It works for Rome. Those mountains are pretty good. Uh, and um, I imagine it's just going to be too cold in a lot of uh, Scandinavian nations. And again, you have like land bridges, which can be fortified. Uh, and I imagine the, the UK, Scotland, Ireland will be okay. Just because the EU, it's not going to care if they're part of the EU. Like, you have an island, we're going there. Um, and then uh, Great Britain will just be a giant refugee state, which would be great because they handle refugees so well. Uh, that won't be dystopian at all. Uh, the Iberian Peninsula might be able to choke itself off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Spain. If Spain gets its act together. Uh, yeah, I mean, also for Germany. Um, also for Germany, I would also look... I mean, yeah, not just the political, but the military landscape. Like, where are the NATO installations? Uh, where are the... You know, where do you... How much of the U.S. military is there, and, like, what are they going to do? And are they going to, um, obviously those bases are pretty well, are pretty defensible unless there's an outbreak in the middle of it, you know? Mm -hmm. If, you know, the general goes vector in the mm -hmm. command center. The, yeah. Our brother's station there right now. Yeah. The military is not allowed to provide security for the bases. The Germans provide security for the bases. Okay. But, I mean, it's a night, it, it, yeah. they're, they're bases, like, they have guards and checkpoints and wire fences and stuff like that. So, I mean, I would, so, I mean, you can justify pretty much anything, like, a, like you could even flip the Mississippi thing, you know, for, in America, so, yeah. where, wherever you want to set the, wherever you want to put the loss in the recession, make it there, and then figure, then rationalize it. Like, I'd play a lot with nationalism, like, if Germany's overrun, but whatever version of Angela Merkel made it to the UK and is like chancellor in absentia and like we're German we're the real German people everyone else is German he's dead and I'm left in Germany like why wouldn't there be a group that's like no I'm a real German now so now you've like civil warred the country based on resentment uh, of like being in the safe zone or not. you can do the same thing for France you can do like all that kind of stuff so Switzerland's probably okay yeah, yeah, Switzerland's probably okay. <laughs> Unless they get an outbreak in the middle of it. Like, then yeah, I can imagine all the... Has, has a pretty heavy weaponry that they're required to keep in their house and keep up training with. Right, but if there's an outbreak in the middle of it, like, what if Switzerland becomes, like, casualty ground zero and it's that, just all... And they're all scary. fenced in there, so like that would be very. Scary. That could be the Mr. Joel's getting the Swiss gold out. We have a fan, an, an angel investor. Like the, one of the reasons Red Market exists, one of our fans, Nicholas, is a glorious person and helped me out before the Kickstarter even launched. And he came to visit us, 
and he's like, I want to see American things. I'm like, well, I can take him to Branson, but I'm not that cruel. <laughs> but so we went to Bass Pro <laughs> to the gun room, and the gun room's like a gun gymnasium. Uh, oh, are you talking about the NRA museum for firearms? Oh, yeah. like, uh, And he's like, well, I'm in the Army. It's not like I, all Europeans don't know how to use a gun. And so I'm like, sure, Nicholas. <laughs> we bring him in there, and it's just like, <laughs> and there's just like ammo on shelves. It's like, how old do you have to be to buy that? Just pick up a box of ammo. It's, it's like we have to check cars out with Fords. Like, yeah, that's sane. <laughs> Not us. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, but. There's epidemiology um, projections you can get just online mm-hmm. that after the, the wonderfulness that was uh, pandemic and its associated online versions, you can actually start epidemics with patient zero in places determine their virility and just watch it explode. Yeah. Uh, there's multiple ones for zombie outbreaks. Uh, there's one for the division, that game that came out. They have a little pandemic generator. Um, there's also Nuke Map, which is really interesting because you can actually say, it's this many megatons and it goes off here. What happens? Um, spoiler alert, it's not good. Uh, but uh, I would use that kind of stuff. Because... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have all the international stuff worked out, but I don't see India and Pakistan not nuking each other. Uh, the Middle East is a disaster zone. Uh, see, I don't know because like desert can't be good on a corpse. No. And they are militarized but, heavily. Like but, I, I don't but know. The, the excuse, the excuse for Israel and Egypt and Saudi Arabia and Iran to yeah. hash it out. Yeah. I think, like, maybe the Saudis are okay, just, like, none of the citizens. Like, the royal family's still fine. They've got the refineries working. But they just travel everywhere in convoys like they do now. They might not have noticed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know. i got to do more research and figure all this stuff out. Yeah. I do, like, um, in World War Z, the actual book, they talk about how, like, Pakistan didn't... Uh, Pakistan and India didn't nuke each other because they had phone hotline set up that diplomats knew each other. But Pakistan nuked another neighboring country. I can't remember which one, uh, because they weren't as in contact with each other, and they just panicked. So you can just have bad decision making. So you yeah. can, you could do something that's a bit out of character for the country. Because again, zombies kind of make people don't necessarily make the best decisions in a zombie related crisis. Uh, yeah. Also, merge borders as well. You know, th- this country doesn't have very good defendable spots, but this one next to it. I can easily see some countries, you know, I'm going to secede this portion over here because it's defendable. Crimea, Crimea really belongs in Russia, you know, like, uh, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, but it's not, the game's not going to be, the game is not going to be World of Darkness. Like, there's not going to be, like, we're going to have a setting in, to, like, inspire you, and maybe you can use it off the shelf. But, like, when we do enclaves, I'm not going to say it's located in this town in this state. It's like it's located at an architectural college. It's located at a slaughterhouse somewhere. Uh, give you enough to work off of, but not say like you can't play where you want to play. Same thing internationally. Um, I mean, and it's a political game. It's a like a rip from the headlines near future game. So like, um, you know, you should you should play where you live. You should talk about things you're aware of. So, um, other questions? Yeah. Anybody else? Has anybody actually played it yet? Like, nice. Uh, do you guys have any mechanic questions? Has anything come up that, like, has been, uh, yeah? 
Okay, so I would like to play it in a convert to a setting that's XCOM-like or giant mech, but my issue is with, I'd like to run people as sort of the commander or other uh, bureaucratic elements, mm -hmm. but the differences in currency seem pretty hard to overcome, because they'd be dealing with large amounts of money and the uh, individuals going out into the wastes would be doing, not dealing with the same form of currency. Is there any way to, you can think to come up with a way around that? Uh, I, what I would do with that is I, the the thing about bounty um, is that, I'm trying to think of analogs, it's a little like, uh, a little like Dark Souls or Bloodborne in that there's one currency, do you want to get better at a skill, spend the currency. Do you want to buy new stuff, spend the currency, do you want to buy usables, spend the currency. Uh, XP is there's no conversion rate between XP and gold and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you want to maintain that, and I would work in abstraction. So like, um, I love XCOM, but I always think of XCOM as like I'm working with my squad of guys because they're my squad of guys. Because like, it's paying 1.2 billion for a plasma rifle for one person doesn't. It seems a little bad even for government spending. Um, so what I would do is I would abstract it to be like, okay, your negotiator's your commander, right? They're working with the bureaucrats to get funding for this horrible alien thing uh, that's attacking everybody. Um, and then they go out and they command their units because, like, that's, it's good to have risk, leading from the front kind of thing. Um, but I would keep the, the units, like charges, everything else the same because it your squad's performance is indicative of how everyone in the world is performing. So if, like, player A just hosed down the aliens with your, like, irradiated tungsten bullets that you know are only made in one factory uh, that can manufacture them, maybe other people are doing that, and so your commander has, like, a bigger problem. Because, like, yeah fire control guys those costs a billion or so around you know uh so I, I would i would just yeah you're abstracting it you're always abstracting it it's not an it's not a simulation uh so you you just abstract it into a single currency and i think you're fine so it'd be relative to each individual unit and what they deal with yeah so if i like um what i call Are it the mass combat's in, mass combat rules on you no. Okay. Uh, so, like, I, what I would do would be, like, um, don't call them bounty. Call them grants or, you know, uh, something like that. And so if you spend... Material. Yeah, if, if you spent 11 grants or something shooting at people, like, you personally didn't use up, like, the GDP of three nations. <laughs> but your performance, since it's the commander's squad, it's the lead squad, they're, they're the, the elite of everybody else, is indicative of what everyone else in anti-alien army is doing. And so you, you basically have, you can use the rules as written, and you're just changing the, the skin on it. One thing you could also do, I think, is reti make retirement goals. Like, instead of retiring, you can't retire from war uh, unless, you know, you're wounded or whatever. But you could uh, say, if we once we invest in this goal, then we upgrade the base. We suddenly get, uh, or we built a new factory. So, um, and then just have, like, every squad member has their, is working. Or just do one at a time, you know, like, oh, we've invested 60 grants. 
at three stages to build this factory. Then we do one last mission to secure the MacGuffin to, to the alien technology or to cl clear out the site so we can, you know, build the factory. And then now we have our own uh, mass-produced plasma cannons or whatever. Yeah, your tontines, your uh, blowing up the mothership. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you want your Leightons, they're the psychic guys. No one likes to hang out with psychic guys in the bunk room. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, it depends on how much you want to... Uh, how much is this going to be, like, a reskin of the existing thing, or is this going to be, like, with different thematic elements? Because, like, if you're just playing... you, it, It's just a reskin if you just make it, like, one particular squad, and then whatever they heart loot from the battlefield is whatever they're, they're able to requisition from supplies. Like, you guys kicked ass. Yeah, here's more guns. Or, like... Uh, you really screwed up. Why should we give you our best weapons, you know, or something like that? But if you're wanting to get to that higher level, you're going to have to come up with a bunch of house rules for some of those things. So, um, yeah. Anyways. Uh, any other questions? Uh, but maybe... Oh. Um, so, uh, I, I've only listened to the actual play. I haven't played around the game. But, um, you know, I'm really interested in learning some of the one-shots that are with conventions. Do you have any... Uh, Uh, well, I have thoughts, uh, but Laura's working on a con uh, packet for us. Uh, mm -hmm. It's still in playtesting, so yeah. do you want to talk about that? Um, we're actually going to be playtesting it uh, here at Gen Con. Um, come up and talk to us afterwards. Uh, we can get your um, email and make sure you can get a copy. Um, enforcing eating today versus um, what we did was we put backstory for the Enclave in. Like, this is what happened in the five years, and this is what your, tri your enclave is trying to do to continue surviving. Because we put this one out in um, Colorado, so you're not really getting from Colorado east of the Mississippi. Um, and what we did was we put a lot of, um, one of the jobs at least has a lot of rep spots for interacting with your enclave. If you, if you do this, you can get a good rep spot because people are really happy you're helping out with the um, Enclave. If you do this other thing, which is perfectly logical to do, they're going to be annoyed because you're not a team player. So that, that's how we were approaching it, to um, try and emphasize the long-termness, even though it's only one shot at a convention. Uh, so for me, I would probably skip vignettes or just do one so they know what like that is like in the basic campaign setting. Um, I would deal personally with the takers in a very specific way as the GM in that like I would treat them like that guy who's always trying to squeegee your windshield at the end of the block for money. Like cuz they're takers, they're constantly hustling and but they also make money off of that as opposed to people who are like beet farming for subsistence and are going to be there until zombies eat them or the end of the day. So like 
treat them that way. Like, oh, Jesus, it's half off again. Like, 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 just tired and exhausted of dealing with these people, but, you know, begrudgingly in need of their services, uh, which will give you ideas. Uh, so you maybe do one vignette with your best role player to establish stakes and, like, your dependents need stuff. They're going to be hurt if they don't. Uh, I'd probably set it in the support theme so that you're, like, saying, oh, you not only need to pay them bounty, like, the little girl needs crayons. You know, you got to go out and get this thing if you want your family to be okay. Uh, love has cost. Um, and then when you're out there, uh, I definitely do a contract, not a score. That's asking a lot of people to know the setting. And, and then um, I throw a really nasty leg at them. Like, I'd pretend to randomly roll for it, but I'd throw a really nasty leg at them. Like, to be like, all right, somebody's dead. You're all kind of bleeding to death, and you have no food or bullets. Welcome to the actual adventure when you get to the job site. Good luck. Like, uh... Throw the archivist set Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd throw something kind of brutal at him to indicate, it's like, yeah, it's it's scarce. you really got to hustle. Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, good question. Other questions? So I had an interesting situation after the first game out my characters rolled all of the double evens during the negotiation phase. Mm -hmm. So they basically made all of the money and they had a pretty successful overall run, which is great. I like to encourage that. But they had a lot of freaking money at the end. Or bound. And uh, fortunately, I think it's self-solved because they probably went money and just started buying everything. So mm -hmm. it's probably going to take care of itself. They kind of have a... I think they have a disproportionate feeling for how the game works because I think they think it's going to be oh it's just money and it's not that hard so I'm really looking forward to the next game oh that, god that's going to be happen. great I'm hoping so but I, my question around that is is like when that happened is there a I wasn't sure what to do because I was watching that going oh my god I've broken this game because all that was happening well like I said I think it took care of itself in the end but what do, do you have any advice on what to do when they just because I mean they I think they ended up like almost a like twenty bounty each, and that just seemed absurdly large. I felt like I did it wrong. Twenty oh, way before twenty bounty after all their expenses. They got they maxed all the way up. I mean, like I said, they wouldn't stop critically, and when they didn't critical, they just started throwing down will. And it was <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so that's great. In in long term, you could just leave that sit because that ain't gonna last. No, I, I don't think. Uh, like I, I'd love like for the first game. Ah, this is easy. We got this. I guess we'll play a second campaign to just destroy them. Um, <laughs> I'm sure my players aren't here. But but on a but on a one shot, like say you want to say you're at the con and you want to like realistically uh, measure the game. Uh, you're ba not to use like apocalypse world dungeon world move language but like your basic move as a gm is risk equals reward your reward got big guess who just rolled three crit fails on the table or who i'm gonna lie and say just rolled three crit like i'm going to hammer you i will make more zombies they will be vectors you just found an aberrant like uh you you, you make it harder you make them earn it especially uh, if they're walking out of the enclave without will left they didn't spend. They they bought high on will, so they didn't. I mean, when I say they threw all that on the will, they threw a significant. They, they were rolling natural. But it was, it was a slice. And, and I mean, at one point they did. It, the the gods switched it, and they had. It, I won't go into it. But it, it was a series of unfortunate events happened. So it it did sort of balance out. But they still made managed to make it out with a little more money than I expected they would. Yeah, never forget. 
you can randomly roll for almost everything. You are not required to randomly roll for anything. You always have the role of market fiat. Because, like, it can be disappointing if I randomly roll for zombies and they're two states away. That's not, like, scary at the moment. But, like, if you open up the nursery at the mega church and I want to creep you out, I can just say there's zombies in there. I don't have to roll for it. So, like, uh, you always have the ability as the market to make the story more interesting and dynamic uh and never never just because there are random role player role tables it's not role master you are not required to use them at any point uh no one has to break their neck walking up steps or you know find a deck of many things just because the dice said so if it's going to stop the game uh so uh one thing i mean two things you two tools you have as a game master in order for balance uh that really um help out are uh let's see self control checks like making them um and God, what was it? uh well yeah so like for self control checks like one thing I, d- I would do in fallen flag uh which is available to backers is make the players have to choose between making more money or being a decent person uh so there are jobs where like it would be easier for you to do this, but you're just going to get hammered on self-control because, and it's going to be more expensive for you to do this. It's, there's literally no benefit to doing this, uh, except for your own sense of worth. So, like, have the legs where they can choose to help people, and then just not give them any reward because if they didn't do it, they would take massive. They would even if they made their self-control checks, they take humanity damage. You can do that as a GM. Uh, oh yeah, and the other thing are rep spots. Uh, you can th- I threw those around quite a bit in Fallen Flag, and they really help players um, uh, motivate players in certain ways. You give them positive reps, but you, I mean, you might give that as a reward. Which I mean, a rep spot isn't worth a lot, but like you can also give them negative rep spots. Start racking it up. One thing you could do if they just spend a lot of money, you could just say they get a negative rep spot as you know spendthrifts. Everyone hates the guy who's just flashing. Uh, cash around dropping big bucks oh he got a new drunkie look at that asshole you know uh he that shiny new shotgun like oh who who does he think he is um so start using a lot of rep spots and start making the players have to choose make really hard choices like i don't know your players but if you know for example if your players love I don't know, like high tech stuff and robots. You know, let there be a hello. I'm a cute robot. Please help me, and then uh, save me from zombies. And like, okay, we saved you, robot. All right, bye. And he just, you know, or have the scientist, mad scientist, leave with a robot or whatever. And, and that's the goal of like complications. Like, yeah. I mean, so I wrote this really nasty job. It was too nasty. I didn't actually use it. But uh, the the basic job was like, um, the client comes to you. They were at this enclave real early after the crash started uh, with all their kids and families. And then um, they woke up one day to find, like, uh, this one guy had left with all of their children. And, like, anyone tried to stop him was dead. And the client finally tracked him down and go get this guy and see what happened to my kid. Um, and so the, my basic idea was, like, it's kill an evil dude. There's five of you and you're all heavily armed. Uh, and it pays a bunch of money. Uh, so no brainer we'll go do that job uh, and then you go and like yeah the dude's evil you kill him it's a very easy job but then you go in and you find in why the guy kidnapped the kids is because he's nuts and he thinks that he needs to preserve innocence so in his enclave he's like made sure he had all the old episodes of Doc McStuffins and he made sure they had food and stuff and you realize the kids don't know the crash happened 
So like the little girl's like, we're gonna go to Orange Leaf, and I'm gonna see the new episode. And then you're just like, you get to take them across the wasteland back to mommy. And so like the basic complication is like, yeah, the job was easy. You get back and like drink an entire bottle of tequila and sob as you lie in a gutter, like because yeah, you earned your money. It wasn't physical risk; it was psychological risk because it's awful outside. Uh, yeah, because yeah, so you get to like take a kid on a tour of hell, uh, and then uh, and that's the complication. So like, um, yeah, you can dangle a job that's easy one way, and then you know hit them with the self-control check or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and yeah, also, like, even if they max out the negotiation phase, that's at the beginning, so you know, like, oh, I have to I have to throw some curveballs in there now. So, like, change up your legs and be like, yeah, they'll fight, a, there'll be a locust swarm and cultists fighting each other, groups of cultists fighting each other at the same leg or something like that. So, like, uh, just, you know, intensify things. Uh, and if my negotiator dumped three will on negotiation, I know who the zombies pop next to. Because, like, that's the task of a middle manager. Like, yeah, they're probably good at their job on the back end, but then they get out on the floor and they're useless. <laughs> and the the blue-collar guys that just kill zombies all day got to make sure, uh, you know, the golden goose don't get ate. Uh, and that's the that's the challenge of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good question. Other stuff? Uh, let's see. So, how do you balance your love of writing really good games with your love of player software? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are one and the same. Uh, wh- I mean, that was really what the beta was for, because like a lot of the th- rules that were wrong in beta playtest things were just like um, not wrong; they were proclivities. So that's where like boom and bust came from in the latest draft. Uh, you know, c- cater to cater to tastes. Like Stokesian miserable death slog uh, versus you know something a bit more action packed uh, and uh, a little less heady uh, and both are good ways to play. But we intended to play bust mode. If you listen to our campaign, it's pretty boomy, um, just because of uh, our GM, who is a very nice person. Um, also, the dice decided that it was boom time instead of bust mode, um, so that happened. And those were having chosen all the bust rules that were available at the time, so no. it happens. Uh, there are more now, but uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with boom game. Like it's fun to play a zombie game in which hope is a real thing because it can be kind of action packed, and you don't have to feel too bad about killing zombies most of the time. Um, but simultaneously isn't, like, schlocky and exploitative, like, girls. I was in the convention center. I don't know about it, but, like, uh, they, were, they were hawking some movie, and they had, like, a Japanese schoolgirl with a katana and her midriff exposed fighting zombies. I'm like, yeah, that's a good tactical outfit. I would definitely go out wearing a miniskirt uh, to fight a... You know, CDC extinction level infection. Uh, it's a great, it's a great idea. Uh, so that that boom games are fun because like there's fun to be had in zombie movies, but and zombie literature. But at the same time, it's usually like gross and exploitative in a lot of different ways. And uh, that's what I was going for with boom mode. So it's it's not wrong one way or the other. So uh, in one of the backer news you put out on Kickstarter. You mentioned uh, all the different economic systems in different areas, like the 2080. 
what is one of your favorite lesser known economic systems that uh, you put into the game with the rules in for? Uh, I would really like to throw uh, a bunch of takers into an Odoous enclave. Um, Odoous. Uh, if you've ever read uh, The Dispossessed by uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, it's a radical, radical socialist society in which all forms of personal possession don't exist. Like, they get rid of personal pronouns. Like, it's the hand, not my hand. Because the group owns what the hand does, not me. Like, uh, so, like, it'd be very interesting because the takers just wouldn't work for, like, a song and a prayer, like an Odoous taker. Uh, so you'd have to find ways to translate, like, what these two radically different societies find as value so that you can, like, through some sort of barter or, like, agreement, work on it. And it would be it would be interesting because, like, the Odoist group has to deal with the rampant capitalism of the loss if they need something and their own people can't ter- take care of it. Uh, so they would, like, be betraying themselves even as the takers are frustrated dealing with them. Um, and then I'd also really like to see an Odoist taker group, because, like, what do you do about that competition? Like, if you're like, all right, I need 80 bounty to do the job, you know, to make my vig, and the Odoist group's like, we'll do it for free, because it's good for everybody, and you're just like, <laughs> like, uh, like, they must die. Uh, yeah, so, like, really radical... Um, and then I really like throwing Randians at players. <laughs> they hate it so much. I've thrown, like, monsters, like, human scum at them. And they're like, well, maybe we can negotiate. And the Randians are just like, no, I want as much money out of you as I can get as possible. And they're just, like, all reaching for their guts. <laughs> like, uh, it, I just found it really interesting when you guys were dealing uh, with any play group that I've read that deals with Randians. It's just like, I hate those guys. They're assholes. Yeah, but, like, I have, like, literally... Literal slavers, like like it reads like Indians make you fill out a contract. Like I have literal human scum in there, and like people are like, well, yeah, those guys suck, but the Randians, <laughs> they're the worst. Uh, so, um, I think they're more excessively assholes. Yeah, uh, it's not a cliff's face. Like it, it's an omni capitalist setting. Like when it's people post characters. Yeah, yeah. When people are like, "You're a socialist, you're a communist," I'm like, "Well, you can say what about?" But my game is not. It's cap. It's economic <laughs> horror, and it's like as capitalist as possible. So capitalist, you can't escape it. The apocalypse happens. Capitalism's still fine. Uh, but I find that like having to negotiate those different systems between the the, the scarce demands of the takers and like. Uh, more advanced systems is interesting. Like if I if I run another campaign of it, I will probably do it not in a enclave, but in a uh, settlement, mm-hmm. an enclave that has been uh, is a pilot program for the reclamation and the DHQS come in and have their own troops because now you're basically an insurgency because they're not providing for you like they say they're going to. So you've still got to go over the fence. But now there's like, you know oppressive, fascist, you know, tech ninjas guarding the fence. Uh, and then you've got, like, ideological elements to deal with. So you're really trying to convince the group of Canadian rebels not to bomb that convoy because I would like to escape tonight so I can make money on a job. So it becomes... Uh, uh, or you can work for the DHQS on the download because, you know, the 
troops want porn or something they can't get through like uh, the the PX and you're basically a smuggler. Uh, so I, I would do stuff like that. Um, when social systems start infringing upon the psychotic gain by any cost ideology of capitalism, that's like interesting storytelling beats. Please run this campaign. <laughs> I would like to listen to this campaign. <laughs> I think I burned RPPR out on uh, Red Markets for a little. Can I? Can we? Uh, we got, I need to finish posting Fallen Flag. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Which yeah. I wasn't even hit. Maybe there. one day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Be maybe next year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, other questions? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, other questions? Uh, anything? Yeah. Um, do you have any recommendations as far as like? researching potential jobs like contracts and things like that just for because you know I live on the east coast so pretty much anything <coughs> in the west part of the country I'm not real sure about is there any like resources or anything like that you can recommend for like well I, I mean I know interesting right contract? I know for Fallen Flag I, I a lot of the jobs are just very simple like based on you know uh, I read stories about people who live through actual, like, apocalyptic uh, situations in real life. Like, um, I read this, just a comment on a, a story on Metafilter. About the, and the comment was this woman who, like, I was in Sarajevo during the bombing. And we had volunteers, and they came in with food, some food and stuff like that. But after, when their food ran out, they were just as dependent as the rest of us. So all the survivalist crap is nonsense. But you know what we really loved, what we really valued? Like cooking oil and eggs because they were fresh you know they weren't out of a can and i'm like oh well there's a job right there you know like a very basic thing so, that job. Uh, so angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see yeah and that's another thing yeah uh make player again about good scenario design is about you know making the players make tough choices and just sort of flipping inventions on them so i would like read stuff about uh real life disasters real life uh thing you know the aftermath of certain things um you can also like a lot of my research for like sit places in the west was literally like look at google maps then wikipedia that town name and see what pops up um atlasobscura.com has a lot of create like there's a lot of weird places you could find there that are good for that um and then like if you need some sort of gadget just look at you know the latest gadget news, you know, uh, just see what what's being researched right now and then extrapolate. So uh, that would be the first thing, is just look, just read stories of people who are in that kind of situation and uh, see what they do. Because uh, that gives you a ton of ideas, like what is their life like? You know, what is the day-to-day? What are they going to be short of? You know? Um, so that's, and that's not specific to any geography. So, How'd you guys do it at technical difficulties? Uh, well, Greg made the uh, um, contracts uh, scores mostly um, what would I miss in an apocalypse um, which being the only woman in the group was going to pull up some different and possibly interesting things because there's no reason for the rest of the crew to think of that sort of thing Mm -hmm. Um, for putting together the con packet Google Maps and Deep Dives um, I do a lot of like um, not how did this get made how it's made mm-hmm. that's good like uh, World War Z they talk about the root beer problem I and mean, how like widely various 
the ingredients of root beer are, and they rely on a global economy. Um, and you can do stuff like that. But there's also stuff that's um, surprisingly easy to make. So, like, you can make Tylenol if you get a certain plant and you aren't afraid of almost blowing yourself up with a lot of common industrial chemicals. Um, so I, I just made a group called Farmers with a P that they would just make Tylenol. Uh, but, like, because they were just chemists, uh, and they would go in and, like, get stuff that wasn't being used, like old acetylene tanks, and reduce that down to other stuff that you could use to make Tylenol. So I made a job out of that. Uh, in ter- so, like, anything anything get sort of like the nitty gritty of manufacturing will add a lot of verisimilitude but for the most part you are walking through the dungeon of your adventure every day like we're pretty good in here those are solid doors those walls are paper thin so like maybe I block that off to get zombies out and I dig through the con wall to get to a different room and get out like or um the, I think the first one we ever ran was a mega church the first uh, and like th- there's a uh there's a church in the town where we live that is, they have a Starbucks, a McDonald's, and a third, a second Starbucks inside the church. It's that, it's a complex. Like, um, there are elements of this convention center smaller than that thing that has a convention every Sunday. So I'm like, all right, it's the apocalypse. I, I need some spirituality. I go there, and I'm in a stadium full of infection vectors. Uh, and then I looked online and I was like, are there blueprints for that? And then there's this huge fire evacuation map. I'm like, I'm done. Print. We're going there. Like, and then it's just thinking of a reason to get them into that um, interesting space. Um, and since it's near future, I do a lot of near future stuff. So I, I've written jobs about uh, data towers. So, you know, uh, server farms mm-hmm. are uh, really, you know, horizontally oriented. They eat a ton of space. They're a nightmare to cool. Um, and so there's this recent, uh, it recently won a design contest. It's called a server tower where they just do a server farm, but they build it vertically straight up so that uh, like in a wind farm, so that the wind will cool the servers naturally and it'll be more green. And I'm just like, all right, you need to recover data from a dead server that no longer has power, but it's on the 18th floor. Like, and so, and the elevator doesn't work. So your taker job is to get through all the zombies and then climb up a data infrastructure, uh, like, uh, and plug something in along with, but you need power. So someone's got to carry the car batteries. You're going to hook that server up to. So, uh, yeah, like I just had a vision of zombies falling down the, uh, central staircase. Oh, oh yeah, because they're basically yeah. just hollow, hollow columns of servers that just rise up in flat planes on this, uh, you know, basically the steel frame. There's no building, like there's no plaster, there's no anything. It's just giant server farms, um, and yeah, and you're and and basically doing maintenance on them would be the equivalent of like washing windows, but if you don't have. So look at your future stuff. Look at, like, manufacturing stuff to add a little verisimilitude. But I mainly am just like, oh, that would be kind of cool to put zombies in. Mm-hmm. And just, like, walk around and, like, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, one other source are actually, like, uh, the history of, of, like, not, like, of political events, but, like, how people lived. Uh, especially, like, 100 years ago or more. I, I learned through the, through some uh, some book about, like, like, what kind of drugs and things people had. 
you know, 200 years ago, I learned about like Mormon tea, which is this plant you can brew tea with that's a stimulant. And you, uh, it's actually, it has uh, enough of the precursor chemical you could use to make a, uh, a kind of meth or methamphetamine kind of drug with if you, so, a, or a replacement for that. So, uh, but like, you know, there's a book also called Buzz, which is the history of like coffee and tea and uh, alcohol that kind of explains where these things come from and how people got them and how it became popular. So think about the trade, like, are we going to have coffee five years after the apocalypse? I mean, like, those grounds, even if they're vacuum sealed or whatever, are not going to be very good. Uh, so it, people are just going to have to find some other source to get caffeine, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, just think about you know, how just very common problems and how to get through them and just, yeah, the daily habits of people, so. And, like, think of luxury stuff, too. Like, yeah. I, I, I made Red Markers originally thinking, like, you're going to go out and steal water or protein powder, uh, which keeps pretty good and it will keep you from dying. Um, but then, like, the more I kept playing, I'm like, Inclay's got that shit taken care of. You would want something to relieve the horrible grind of it. So, like, uh, my enclave use all their fruit for stupid eating. Let's ferment that shit so I can get drunk. So this enclave has prison wine. Go get that, because it's horrible out here, and I need some relief. Like, and, and that's the kind of stuff where you get, you know, big bucks. So, like, I mean, even even in places like, you know, rural Mexico where starvation and, like, medical needs are very real things that can happen like food prices don't inflate but you want some cocaine like that that that's how you get rich quick like uh so uh it's it's very much uh yeah don't stick to just subsistence goods it's not a like it is a i i hate saying it's a post-apocalypse game because like you know that implies that it's just the base level scavenge for food medicine kind of stuff when I, I want it to be more complicated than that and then I also like the more I realize it like post-apocalypse is a sign of privilege because if you live in it it's not over like so like I, I have like Nat and like setting characters get very pissed off when people use the term post-apocalypse it's like well it's post for you asshole like uh, you know, we live in it. You know, uh, so it's, this is my house. Don't call it a, a wasteland. Uh, you know that kind of stuff. So, um, well, that kind of reminds. I mean, and like historically, it's been true that the the luxury trade has like motivated a lot of global trade. Like even in the Middle Ages, like what moved merchant caravans were spices because the kings and royalty like hated eating bland food. You know, so they'd spice the shit out of things. So yeah. Uh, so and silk, you know, thing, yeah. Uh, so even it, it also doesn't have to be rational, yeah. Because like, it's not an Adam Smith game. Like we're way beyond human beings knowing what the hell they're doing about anything. Like rare lilies have crashed national economies before. Uh, like the Beanie Baby craze. <laughs> like you can have your takers go out for just useless shit as long as they're sure. Someone's gonna buy it. Uh, the last so, okay stop west of the Mississippi. <laughs> I, I just, How many times does that come up on the Facebook group? Yeah, I just read exactly. on the Facebook group that their group almost got into a TPK chasing magic cards, and they made they made eight bounty off of it. Like so, like men and women died. Uh, like for the they're, last, they're black, horribly black scarred. Forever for like a black lotus in a vault somewhere. Like, yeah. Uh, I just thought of 
there's apparently like this certain type of like parmesan that like the wheels are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Just. Oh yeah. There's that. there's ham theft. Yeah. Like artisanal hams that are worth tens of thousands of dollars. That you, sounds more fun than cattle rustling. <laughs> yeah, easier too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hams less ornery. Uh, I mean, that's the thing about red markets is that it, people have moved beyond the immediate needs of say of the you know the, they've they've already filled out the bottom of the the uh, pyramid the the pyramid that's of needs. Yeah, uh, so like they have food, shelter, water. So like. As soon as you know you're not going to immediately die, you're like, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? I'm bored. You know, I want I want, I want prison one. I want drugs. I want, you know, I want to play magic, you know, uh, and I'm willing to pay. Yeah. Which isn't to so. say you can't do that subsistence stuff, but then the game is about they need water. Yeah. I literally have them over an empty barrel, uh, like... How much do your takers gouge that? Because that's a big character moment. Are you going to do a solid for your community and take a hit so people don't die of thirst? Yeah, put or, holes in or, or is your one taker going to go to the last remaining water and stick a knife in the barrel? It's yeah. like, oh, it's more scarce. I guess the price just went up. Like, uh, like you know, how... Because those are character moments and, and morality moments. Yeah. Uh, other questions? So what can we expect out of lifelines? Uh, so lifelines, uh, once I get it up, um, they'll probably be like an off-topic thread because it's a forum. You'll need that. Uh, they'll probably be, well, not, not a thread, a forum for off-topic stuff uh, where you can launch threads. There'll be a forum for game stuff in which you can uh, just talk about the game and rules and hacks and out-of-character stuff. And then I'd like an ICC forum, which is just the lifelines of the setting so Nat keeps it up and maintains it so that people can talk and work out and then like that's how you advertise jobs so you want to make plot hooks you just put up a wanted ad in character uh, your takers can talk to each other uh, that kind of stuff so it's basically going to be very like uh, deep profundus or like an epistolary game play by post kind of stuff um, where you're uh, and, then, and then I will I might make a, a fourth forum that is actual play-by-post, so it's a mixture of both, so that you can play a game online if you want to do that. Uh, uh, so yeah, it'll be like IC character fiction that you can work into your game uh, if everyone has a tablet or a phone or something like that, or a printout, uh, and then just typical RPG forum stuff. Uh, I've got it built. I don't have all the stuff typed in for the website and lifelines, and I'm also going to need to hire mods because with economic in the title, there will be a flood of god-awful fucking trolls. That <laughs> we, we are going to have to have the fortifications built before we turn it on to keep out people who's like, you're a libertarian socialist Nazi beta cuckservative uh, no. So, so ban, ban, yeah, there will be ban hammers. Uh, we're going to need more than one. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, yeah. uh, anybody been playing so far? Have you guys gone through any TPKs or uh, close to it yet, or any n- notable screw ups? Uh, Our meme keeps getting bitten. <laughs> Our meme. Good. Yeah. Well, if you want someone bitten, that's probably. I mean, because uh, yeah, your secret name's Chew Toy. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, 
Yeah. Yes, we had a situation a little while, so I'm sure with everything like that, is everything was going very well, and then the critical started happening, the bad critical, not the good ones. <laughs> and what happened was we had two carrier bikes. They had just managed to get a car started that had a bag of sugar in it. They were very excited about that. And they started driving. We had one character had driving. I told them, I said, you know, if you just drive normal, you don't do anything. Driving is just if something goes wrong. So, and of course, it's obviously because there was a lot of shooting. So he's like, I'm going to go drive and just run them all down. All right, great for the car. Oh, yeah, gosh. I was like, let's see how that plays out. Critical fail. <laughs> Boom, right. Then another character with a bike right behind One him. One bad roll, Ken. <laughs> One bad roll. And it all went to hell. Another character flipped their bike and into in, into a group of zombies. One of the characters who had the bike made all the rolls, made him first, and was gone. I didn't have any kind of communication. Yeah. So he was just like, things are great. I'm good, the guys will catch up anytime. Yeah, you got to pay for TACnet in red markets. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everything went to hell. They had to run back to a highway. One person was shooting down. Everyone's trying to get out of cars. Uh, no one ended up dying, but there was... There were lots of battles. Uh, <laughs> my, my original aim was like more Delta Green, like everything's awful equally, but like I found the longer we play Red Mark, it's like you can have like a really successful run and things could be going great, and then it's just like one roll goes the wrong way, and it's just this cascading shitstorm that those who get through is just like, what the hell just happened? Uh, and in some ways, I think that's more realistic to a terrible like economic situation. One yeah. thing also to keep in mind, uh, is as a game master, you need to think like the, every major action the players do. You need to think about the consequences of that action. Uh, in Fallen Flag, uh, pretty early on in the campaign, the player characters encounter bad guys who are scouting around, but they aren't actively hostile against the player characters. Player characters antagonize the hell out of them. You know, they kick the beehive. Uh, I had a, I had a soft spot. You, okay. yeah, exactly. See, I make your it. you make your players. I needed that, that will. Um, <laughs> and as a result of that, like some of these bad guys, because of the players deliberately set up a trap to infect the bad guys. Uh, so the and so the but it was with the cold strain of the virus, which take a lot hours or days for the person to turn. It worked in the short term. It did work in the short term. And it would have been easier for me to forget about that, but I was like, no, those... Yeah. One thing I always I like doing is having some legs up front and then at least one leg going back so they can revisit the you know the consequence of their action. So, like, they had to deal with vectors on the way back. Yeah. Uh, and that... Oh, God, that got bad. That was... Yeah, and that... Oh, then there was the extortion attempt. Yeah. You really got us on that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, like uh, we were being bribed, and the guy said, "Like I will tell, I will tell the group, the enclave, that you're doing this illegal thing for money unless you give me all your bounty." And so my character says, "I'll be clever." So he brings a drone out because he doesn't want to be caught in person. So instead of the bounty, I put in a grenade, so that when the door opens, the the uh, safety <laughs> spring goes off and he gets blown up. He so the mail bomb. Yeah, so he so he gets back and the mail bomb goes off, but the guy's not dead, and but he's like. He's unconscious, and so like I'm talking to our doctors, like you got to do the right thing here, man. You got to make sure he does not wake up. We will all be, and so it, it gets like really dark and noiry all of a sudden. So uh, you always want to, you always want to give them that blowback for their consequences. And stuff. Yeah. So whenever they screw over other characters, make sure that that you know one that the. <laughs> The players have to deal with the result of that. Like, if this happened in you know your community, what? How would other people react to that? Like, uh, it could be as simple as a negative rep spot, or it could be you know payback 
uh, one thing, the reason even those first bad, group of bad guys were out there in the first place scouting around is because they were looking for your characters <laughs> because you previously ambushed friends of those bad guys. Yeah. So, like... And, and nobody thinks they're the bad guy in Red Markets. Yeah. Like, they all have justified righteous anger towards your characters. Like, uh, so you got to keep that in mind. Except the meek. They know they're the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, we're running out of time, so... Um, Thank you all for coming. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, let us know any other questions on all the different social media, or if you see me around, I'm happy to answer it. Uh, I like talking about myself. Um, thank you, Laura and Ross, for joining me. And uh, if you have any tickets, tournament. But thanks. I really uh, and I have a panel at 11 a.m. here at Victoria Station A B on Patreon. Uh, please get a win card, our card. Thank you. Buy my book. Buy my book. Buy, <laughs> buy my book. All right, thank you. Uh, RBR, yay! All right. yay.